This is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Hello. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> That's our attempt at being scary. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, fellas? I'm scared. Oh. That much? <laughs> wow, fuck me. This is going to be a great show. Uh, hello, is anybody awake? What's up? Yes, we are. Uh, at least I am. I am awake and in the cold state of Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm pretty much in the fucking tundra right now. It's like 19 degrees outside. We got like six and a half inches of snow two days ago. And it's October. So I saw that. Crazy. Bullshit. I want to speak to the manager. We're good down here. Everything's good. Shut up. Yeah, I actually <laughs> drove through some s- snow today for the first time this this season. That's garbage. It's garbage. Yeah. Snow is only allowed to happen in like mid-December, then it needs to go away January 1st. That's it. <laughs> That's all I will allow. So welcome, everybody. This, if you haven't guessed, is our... 2020 Halloween episode. So every year we try to put something special together for Halloween because it is my absolute favorite holiday. Fuck every other holiday. They can disappear. I can have Halloween every month. That would be amazing. Um, So tonight we're going to talk about a band that is very connected to Halloween Uh, weirdly. Um, And we are also going to talk about three very delicious and spooky cocktails. I tasked the gentleman to come up with a Halloween style cocktail. So I am really excited to see what you guys came up with. And I'm excited to drink mine. It's fucking delicious. So let's get into cocktails, shall we? Who wants to go first? I'll go ahead and start off with mine. This is the first time I've actually created a real cocktail. Um, I'm, you know, I've done the typical, you know, grab a whiskey or something or a rum and then grab a mixer. But, you know, that's not a real cocktail. That's called a mixed Um, drink. Yeah, exactly. It's a mixed Mm -hmm. drink. Perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to think. All right, we, we're doing a Halloween theme. What do I like about Halloween? Halloween's not exactly my favorite holiday, but the, my favorite part of Halloween is the treats, of course. <laughs> of course. So, and what's my favorite treat? Well, every year for the past 20-something years where I work in our building, uh, building management puts out in the lobby tables full of the most delicious caramel apples. Whoa. For us to grab every year on Halloween. So they have them with peanuts and without peanuts. Of course, I always go for the ones with the peanuts. Oh, of course, man. So, yeah. So that's <laughs> that's what I look forward to every year. Well, this year it's not going to happen. Bummer. But um, you know what? COVID caramelized <laughs> apples. <laughs> no, no, thank you. I, I I would not like my caramel apple with a side of COVID. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Coated in COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so then I got to thinking, what if I attempted to make a cocktail that mm-hmm. would taste like a peanut caramel apple? And like, well, it sounds like a bit of a challenge, but I sat and thought about it. And I actually came up with what I think is a very good cocktail. In fact, I had I 
gave it to some of my test subjects, being my daughter, who was uh, bartended a little bit in college. And she was the first person I had try it. She looked at me, her eyes got really big. And she's like, Dad, how did you do that? Like, that was <laughs> a pretty awesome. good sign. <laughs> yeah. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I made a batch of it and gave it to various friends and family, and they all raved about how good it was. So, so what did you call anyway, it? What did you name it? Uh, caramel apple with peanuts. Okay. <laughs> Super creative. <laughs> yeah, right? creative. Great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What the fuck is in it? Okay. So anyway, um, I started out with a base of apple cider for my apple portion, but I wasn't getting enough tartness from the cider that I was using. So if you can find a really tart apple cider um, from uh, Orchard or something like that, I highly recommend looking for that. But if not, if your uh, cider tends to be more sweet than sour, um, I also then I added uh, some sour apple pucker liqueur to it to boost the tartness. And it also um, has the added effect of giving a little bit of a greenish hue to in, with the cider as well. So the color actually turns out a little bit better uh, with that in there. But so I have two parts apple cider, two parts of the sour apple pucker liqueur, one part Old Smoky Tennessee salty caramel whiskey, and one part screwball peanut butter whiskey. And on top of that, so I tried, you know, mixing it up, putting it on the rocks. I've tried um, putting in a cocktail shaker, uh, chilling it with ice, and then serving it in uh, like a cocktail glass, um, martini glass. So I think that was my favorite. Um, and then my wife gave me the idea of rimming the glass with caramel sauce and then dipping it in crushed, unsalted, roasted peanuts as the finishing touch and i did that and it was freaking fantastic so that sounds, is my cocktail and i'm very proud of it and uh, you should try it out for yourself very cool ed awesome <laughs> i'm proud of you ed i'm proud that's awesome man thank you <laughs> i would say if you don't have the apple pucker you could use lemon juice too to bring the tartness in especially if you strain it but All apple right. pucker is pretty easy to find yeah. Yeah. Well, sounds delicious. Cheers to that, Ed. And what about you, Matt? What did you come up with? Well, I have to second Ed on this in saying that I don't really create anything. Um, I never really created a cocktail. Uh, and I had thought about kind of taking the easy road with this and, you know, kind of finding a recipe online and just copying it. But I'm like, you know, that's no, that's no fun. That's no fun at all. I'm like, that's no fun Dude. at all. Sacrilege. So I was thinking to myself, I really thought hard about this and said, what do I like a lot as far as taste profile goes? I'm like, well, I like spicy stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a spicy whiskey-based cocktail. Mm, okay. So I was thinking about it, and uh, I decided to do a spicy Manhattan. Mm. So uh, just pretty much to break it down here uh, for the ingredients. So two ounces of Willet Rye. I got two ounces of Dolan Sweet Vermouth. I added half an ounce of, and some some of our listeners might not know what this is, but I'll explain it. Half an ounce of uh, Pachuga, which is actually a type of mezcal that is not so much smoky, but it's actually a little bit on the savory sweet side. Hmm. Um, four dashes of Mexican chocolate bitters and actually a pinch of cayenne pepper. Um over wow. ice stirred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is for me, it's, it's spicy. Like I like it, but it's got the little bit of sweetness for the Halloween sort of the chocolate in there as well. Um, so I put it in the glass and I guess sent you guys a picture of it, but yep. uh, I rimmed the outside. I took like a quarter cup of caro syrup and some red food coloring, <laughs> put it in the microwave, rim the glass in it. And it, it hardened and it looks like, you know, blood dripping down the outside of the glass. <laughs> um, so I give you the uh, Vamp Hatton. Vamp Hatton. I like <laughs> nice. it. Look at you guys. Matt, I'm proud of you too. 
<laughs> yep. I am awesome. so proud of my little and it came jokes. together way better than I thought. <laughs> the, the pachuga scared me, but it actually works out super duper well. I so can I'm, see I'm that, and I like it. that yeah. you used a rye base too when you went with the spicy cocktail. Oh, of course, yeah. That yeah. was really smart. I like that. Yeah. Well, wow. That yeah. sounds. Cheers to that. It sounds really good. Thank you. So, so we I have made, sweet, we have spicy, and now yeah, we have something black. Um, once a year, I'll pull out the charcoal, and I use activated charcoal in cocktails, um, and I do it for Halloween. Um, I made the Keeper of the Seven Keys. Nice. Little hint, hint to our uh, subject of the evening. So I used um, one and a half ounces of blackened whiskey. Because, of course, um, and a tablespoon of orgeat liquor, liqueur, sorry, and a tablespoon of pumpkin puree because fucking pumpkins, it's Halloween. Um, then I did two dashes of black walnut bitters, two dashes of tobacco bitters, one pinch of nutmeg, and then a tablespoon of activated charcoal. And I shook it all up with some ice. Um, and then I strained it into a coupe glass and it's nice and black like my soul and, <laughs> uh, super nutty and flavorful. You get the nice, um, earthiness of the pumpkin and then with the walnut bitters and the orgeat, it's, it's very, um, almondy and nutty. Um, and then the tobacco bitters bring some smokiness to it and the black and whiskey is it's really just everything kind of plays really, really well together and complements each other. So it is freaking delicious and it looks super cool. Great to serve friends um, for Halloween or yourself. And I love it. Awesome. Sounds very good. Mm -hmm. Would you say it's go. more of a savory cocktail? It is not. The um, orgeat liqueur is, it's pretty sweet. And I don't like, you guys know that I don't like sweet at all. Actually, I'm a sour, bitter girl. Not a sour okay. girl. I would say a bitter girl. But um, for this, the amount of orgeat that I put in is not as powerful um, to like over sweeten the whole, the whole cocktail. And then you've got double bitters in there. You've got one and a half ounces of whiskey. That'll kind of chill everything out. And the pumpkin puree is not sweetened. So it's natural pumpkin puree. Um, so it's just really, really well balanced. Normally would put a little citrus in it, but again, because I'm just always need to have that balance. Um, but again, because it's like you guys said, I want a little bit sweeter than I normally do because it's Halloween. So for me, this is a sweet cocktail. For most people, I don't think they would feel that way about it. <laughs> and you said orgy at liqueur, right? Not the mm -hmm. syrup stuff, right? Liqueur, yeah. Liqueur. Awesome. Yep, so it's nice and boozy. Nice. Yeah, so that's our cocktails, you guys. We will post the recipes on our Instagram, and we will post it in our Facebook group as well um, if you would like to try them out at home um, and maybe vote and decide that Sailor is the winner. Um, up to you. Uh, <laughs> nice thing about mine is it batches really well, and so you can do like a punch bowl of this at a party, like a Halloween party. Oh, Look at you. Excuse me, sir. I was talking about batching and serving no. at a party. Jesus. Um, you'll have like to get I remember those, my first cocktail. You'll have to get one of those masks with the straw hole in it so that your guests can sip through a straw. <laughs> <with their> masks. <laughs> it's actually a really good idea. As long as you're still not getting close to people, it actually would work really well. So, well, thank you so much, you guys, for sharing your lovely cocktails and um, we should get into the subject of the evening. Um, I'm going to sip on my cocktail for a second and play a little music for the fans. And then we'll get into the discussion about the mystery band of the night. Here's your first clue. Dr. That's all you get. That's it. That's your clue. What do you think? Who is it? What are we talking about tonight? 
Tonight, I believe, we are talking about the band Halloween. Halloween. That's not Halloween. That's hell. Hell. Halloween. Halloween. Like, hello, Halloween. <laughs> or hell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Pretty sure that's, that's what that's they were how trying they meant to it. say. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought they were just being friendly. <laughs> yeah. Super friendly. <laughs> You're such a Midwesterner, and I love it. <laughs> Hello, we don't you know. <laughs> so, if you guys don't know who the hell we're talking about, um, Halloween is, I would say, your very typical. We didn't have a, we didn't have like a genre, subgenre title for them yet back then in the 1980s, mm-hmm. but they were your very typical. I would say campy speed metal band. Wouldn't you agree, Ed? Um, I back in the day, they they definitely would have been considered metal. Yeah. Although I yeah. think nowadays, you some of their stuff you would consider like their early stuff you consider thrash. But the bulk of their work, I think they would they are definitely a power metal band. Yeah, we didn't call it overall. power metal though. We called it but, speed metal. Yeah, it's like I said yeah. nowadays. Yeah, thrashy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Campy's um, a great word, though. Yeah, they're super campy. <laughs> I mean, again, we would not have called because everything was campy back then, kind of, and it, not mm-hmm. everything, but a lot of stuff. Um, you know, they're they're very thematic, but they've uh, they've had a hell of a career. I mean, a lot of people, you know. I was talking to someone recently. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're I'm doing some research on Halloween because we're going to cover them on the next episode of the podcast. They're like, oh, oh, my God, Halloween, so ridiculous. And I'm like, <laughs> listen, MFR, ridiculous. They've been around since 1984, and they're still a band. Like, somebody's buying their albums and wants to see them. So I don't know. They're probably making more money than I do. So I don't know how ridiculous I would consider them. You know, and some people want to go see Limp Biscuit, and I want to punch them in the face. You know, so that's definitely the first impression you get when you hear the name and you sure. see some of the the graphics of their albums and stuff. But um, yeah, eh, first no more than anybody else back then, though, can, right? Uh, often be deceiving. Agreed. Um, so just to give a little history about them, they are a German band. Um, they were formed in Hamburg. And um, like every other band that we talk about, with the exception of like, I don't know, ACDC, there are a ton of lineup changes comes with the territory. Um, So they recorded and released their first record. Um, It was a self-titled EP in 1985, and it contained five tracks. And then that year, they that same year, they released a full length album. That was Walls of Jericho. Super famous album, if you're a metal fan or if you were around back then. So they went on tour right away. Very successful tour. And then uh, in 1986, they found a new vocalist and um, Michael Kiske. He was was only 18 years old. um, And they came out with Keeper of the Seven Keys. Ding, ding, ding. Like the name of my cocktail. You're welcome. <laughs> so they actually got picked up by a label at this point, And um, it was RCA. And they came out with Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1 and then Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 2. And actually, this is where I learned about them was on, and I'm wondering if it's the same for you, Ed, Headbangers Ball. They had a single out, and it was "I Want Out," and I think it was 1988, I believe. When that yeah, "I Want out. out" was from Keep for the Seven Seas Part Two, which was '88. Yep, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, they were super popular. So they got put on a tour with our friends from the San Francisco Bay Area, fellow thrash metal Exodus and Anthrax. Um, and so that's they opened a, for these bands. Show. <laughs> I mean, back then it made a lot of sense, you know? Made, yeah, I guess like, so. Yeah. I mean, it made a lot I, of sense. I just can't I, believe I never heard of these guys before. You never heard of these guys? No. Get the fuck I am out of shocked. Here. What? Really? Well, Are yeah. you joking? I can't tell. If I you're am not. Honestly, I'm not joking. When you originally said 
we are going to cover Halloween. I thought it was like some kind of cheesy, like, I don't know, just a kitsch band that only sing like songs about Halloween <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> Not a bad guess. I mean, <laughs> How many songs do you sing about Halloween? Halloween. I don't I know. Like treating Halloween. <laughs> Gonna get my goodie bag Halloween. But they only Gonna have one song called Hel- Halloween. So Yes. <laughs> and they've been around for 35 years again. How many songs yeah. can you sing about I Halloween? I mean, you, you could probably do it, um, but I don't know. <laughs> No, they were very well respected if you were into like speed metal, thrash metal, whatever you wanted to call it back then. I mean, I remember them being played on MTV a lot on Headbangers Ball. And then doing that tour with Exodus and Anthrax was like, boom. Um, Shortly after they were on that, that they got on the tour, they got slotted into the second spot right before Anthrax because Anthrax was headlining. That's a really big deal. Um, so this was their U.S. exposure that they really needed on the heels of Headbangers Ball. And um, boom, they had worldwide success. So 1989 comes along and they are uh, finishing up their European leg of the Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 2 tour. And um, one of the founding members decides to leave and he's their guitarist. So it was kind of a big shakeup for them. They were really wondering what the hell they were going to do. And um, they chose to replace Kai Hansen, their guitarist, with Roland Grapau. I don't know if I'm saying their names right. Uh, apologies if I don't. And um, he finished out the tour with them. So um, <laughs> he was a car mechanic at the time, apparently quite talented at guitar, obviously. But can you imagine, you know, you're a kick-ass guitar player, player but you're a car mechanic and these guys come along and they're like come on man let's go on this fucking world tour <laughs> what are they jamaican or german i don't know shut up don't get <laughs> don't on, give man. me more time man <laughs> i don't know they're german jamaican who knows <laughs> um <laughs> so he actually said later in an interview that <laughs> they the time that these guys came and asked him to be a part of the band was such a crucial time because he was just about to give up his dream of being a musician and just keep his car mechanic job and that would have been the end of it and these guys <laughs> walk in i mean that's it's pretty incredible so after that in 1989 they put out a live album and um they had recorded stuff from Japan and in the UK. And then I think also from the U S and put it on that album. So they got into a scuffle with their label, which happens a lot. Um, And so they were eventually released from their contract, lucky them, but it really fucked them up. They didn't get another album out until 1991. And um, I think just because that's, we've discussed this so much, on the podcast that was such a turning point in music 1989 to 1991 is nothing but it was then it was like it it was 10 years so much was changing metal was changing so i feel like it i feel like they could have been a much bigger band um than they are honestly and much more well known so they're on EMI now and they release pink bubbles go ape <laughs> <laughs> And I'll tell you, in my opinion, oh my it is, it, it's, it's a good name for it because the name you're like, what the fuck? And when you hear the album, you're like, what the fuck? Um, it's just, it, it's just different than all their other albums before. And it failed commercially and critically, which I'm not surprised. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. That's like an <laughs> album you do to like finish out your contract. That's not like your first album, debut album on a new label. So I don't know what was going yeah. on. And the album cover is kind of cool. Not really. The album cover is cool. <laughs> yeah, well. It's so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of tension between the band. I'm sure, you know, being seen as a failure, you know how hard critics are, uh, didn't help. 
Um, but then they came out with Chameleon in 1993, and it's considered to be their most pop-influenced album. Um, and I think that that was probably really, really smart. Uh, I, I hate to say it, but it, I think that's what helped them stick, you know, and continue on. So they just did a lot of different things um, with this album. Critically, it didn't do well, and technically it didn't sell well, but it was a pretty popular album. So I really don't know if I agree with, I don't know what they mean when you say like commercially it didn't sell like millions of records doesn't mean it's a failure. Um, so that again, still continued tensions with the band members. Um, and then during the chameleon tour, they, there were so many, um, so many problems between the band that they were uh, canceling shows here and there. And then they were playing kind of half filled venues. And I think that really screwed them up, which I understand, you know, I'd be like, Oh my God. So they ended up firing um, one of their early members and um, kind of went away for quite a while. They kind of had a long span where they were not together um, touring um, and then in, in the early two thousands, um, well, they had put out a live album and then came back in the early two thousands with a new lineup and they are still would be without COVID, uh, playing and touring today. As a matter of fact, um, they, uh, performed at the Wacken open air festival in 2018. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with that festival, um, it's a heavy metal festival that takes place in whack place whack in Germany. Yeah. It's huge. It's one of those like very quintessential, which is a funny word for it, you know, giant <laughs> European crazy ass festivals. Um, and I mean, they played to a raging crowd. Um, so, you know, they're still really, really beloved. Um, funny yeah. though, one of the guys, this is a bit of trivia. Um, so, one of them went on to form Gamma Ray, the power metal band Gamma Ray. Does anybody know who that was? Is that Michael Kiska? Nope. Is it Andy Dearest? It was Kai. Oh, when Kai Hansen. Yeah, when oh. he left, he, yeah, mm -hmm. he formed Gamma Ray. So, um, again, another band that's still active, another band that is very big in that genre. And I think this, too, is one of the – this is an interesting case of, like, a band that's way bigger in Europe than in the U.S., and I think their U.S. success helped make them even bigger outside of the U.S. Um, you know what I find interesting, though, is their later tours. I was watching some videos of their later tours, and they actually have uh, Michael Kiska and Andy Darris both doing lead, sharing lead vocal duties in the tour, which is really cool to see. Because then you yeah. get uh, a little bit of the two different vocal styles mm -hmm. together in those, those songs, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. They changed. They ended up getting signed with Nuclear Blast later on in the in the two thousands, which is good because I think that good company, a very good company, and it's a label that understands understands them, um, which I think is really important. And so the label said, you know, you guys need wh whoever's still around and available. We'd like for you to get back together, and um, you know, just just let's try it as a one off. Let's. You know, if you want to tour, whatever, let's just see what happens. And um, they did the Pumpkins United World Tour. I think that was 2018. Um, and then they were supposed to do a release in 2020. And I actually don't know what's going on with that yet. Well, but, according, on their uh, webpage, they have tour dates listed. So, okay. In Europe. In Europe. Okay. But, uh, we'll when you. See. Yeah, when you think about like how many times, you got to give them credit for sticking with it. Because I mean, you oh, could, yeah. if you think about how many times that that band could have said, fuck this, we're mm -hmm. done. People leaving, like you said, half filled venues. You know, I, I don't know if you mentioned it, Sailor, uh, but you know, the drummer committing suicide, mm -hmm. one of the original members committing suicide, and you know, all the problems, record problems, they, they could have packed it in at any moment during any of that timeline. Uh, and they didn't do it. And now they're still touring. So, I mean, good for them for sticking with yeah, it. Yeah. And they've got like 15 albums. I mean, yeah. And you're absolutely right. You know, yeah. It's very, um, Ingo, I believe, is the one who, um, who, uh, committed suicide. He was very young as well. Um, 
Yeah, I mean that's it's not easy. We we talk about this a lot in our um in in so many of the shows like um can you just imagine, you know, like you're going through you're young, you're a baby. You know, you're in your your teens and 20s and you're growing up while you're in this entity that you can choose to get out of. It's not like your family, you know. Exactly. Um, but it's also the income you rely on and your hopes and dreams are tied up into it. And you're all growing up together and turning into different people. That's got to be, I think we don't talk about that often. We stick to kind of the facts and, you know, our opinions on the music, but um, you know, I, th I think it's, it is really impressive. The bands that have managed to stick together with all the original members, whether they separate and come back or whatever is very, very impressive. Um, so yeah, good for these guys for, for continuing to stay together. I mean, especially in such a s relatively small genre comparatively. Exactly. Well, like I said earlier, um, I, I don't know how, I don't know what rock I was living under, but I did not know about these, these guys. Um, so when you first brought them up, you know, I think I already mentioned, I thought there's some cheesy metal band from the eighties that time forgot, <laughs> or whatever, but I couldn't have been more wrong, obviously. So I started listening to them, getting ready to kind of just play a few songs, kind of laugh it off and dismiss them. But actually just the opposite happened. The more I listened, the more I got into it and realized, damn, I really love this band. And I just couldn't get enough of them. And now, actually, I have to admit, they're probably one of my favorite metal bands currently right now. Wow, that's awesome. Damn. Oh That's my so cool. gosh. Yeah. So especially, um, which one was it? I think it was Michael Kiska. Um, some of his vocals, especially when you get into more of the, um, the ballady type songs, his vocals there. I keep thinking about Jeff Tate from Queensryche. Hmm. When I hear him sing, I get a lot of Jeff Tate in his voice. Maybe it's just, you know, that was kind of like the style those bands, you know, kind of, the vocal range that those that type of music lent itself to, mm -hmm. but uh, I kept think I finding myself thinking about Jeff Tate, and occasionally I would find myself thinking, oh, Bruce Dickinson, or even you know maybe with it was Andy Darris, a little bit of Rob Halford, um, you know, all those bands are, are very I'd say a very similar in overall styles, um, but yeah. Halloween is just, it just blew me away. It was like, it was a really big, pleasant surprise. I just, yeah, I can't get enough of them. In fact, when we get off of this recording, I'm probably going <laughs> to put them on and listen to some more of them. <laughs> That's well, awesome. Shit. That's so, totally yeah, awesome. There's, there's so many albums to, uh, to catch up on. You know, I'm trying to, I've just been listening, listening to their songs at random. Mm -hmm. So from the early stuff to the later stuff and back and forth, now I actually want to go back and start listening to their albums in order and kind of see how they progress as time goes on. But For me, Walls of Jericho and Keeper of the Seven Keys 1 and 2 are just, that's kind of like, I for me, oh. I feel like it's their sweet spot because it's just what I loved about that time period. It's Those are of, definitely a couple of their best. I, yeah, I, it's, I their sweet, it's the sweet yeah. spot for me with most of these bands. Um, and so I just, yeah, I, I really, really like, probably Keeper of the Seven Keys Part One is probably my favorite album. Let's play, let's play a song off of that as an example. That reminds me very much of Bark at the Moon and Diary of a Madman. Mm. Yep. The atmosphere of it. Same right? vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, and so that is, that's actually a song called Halloween. Um, so that's the intro that I like. And then when you get into the song.
mean, if you're a Queensryche fan, I don't see how you're not a fan of Halloween, in my opinion. So, yeah. <clears throat> that, that's definitely one of my favorite albums from them. Matt, what about you? Were you familiar with um, them previously? I knew of them. Had I ever actually listened to them? I don't think so. But um, I wasn't 100% sure what to expect when I listened to them, although I knew of their existence in the ether, you know, that is 80s, you know, 90s metal. But um, yeah, it was weird for me. And there's so much great, uh, when you break it all down into small pieces, there's so much great music there. Uh, I mean, honestly, and then I would be listening to it and then you get to like a chorus and he get like hit that really cheesy high note on some of these songs. And I'm like, what, is, what is this? It's like, part of me wants to really fucking hate this. And the other part of me, then it, they get back into, you know, the verse and just like a chugging riff or some good double bass. And I'm like, this isn't really that terrible after all, you know, I can't, I can't totally shit on this. So I was pleasantly surprised. Um, like you said, sailor walls of Jericho and keeper of the seven keys. I like both parts. Um, you know, there were, like I said, there was those campy moments of like, wow, this is so cringe, <laughs> but you know, I, I going deeper than that, there's, there's so much great stuff there. Um, it's weird. I, I thought to myself, like, I don't understand how these guys weren't a little more popular than yeah. they were. Yeah. Uh, but I think it goes back to what you said before sailor. I think they were big at the time where they were from and not necessarily didn't translate, unfortunately to the United States, um, or this part of the world. But um, I was pleasantly surprised. It, it well, exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Did. They did. They did become really popular in the U.S. What I think happened is their problematic period was at the wrong time because 1989 to 1991 is crucial. They needed to be very solidified here and very solidified period to really surpass what they had, what they ended up doing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. for me, it was that label change, the band breaking up and having problems that really fucked them over because they were set to be a huge metal band in the U.S. I mean, I remember, you know, I mean, getting a spot in between Exodus and Anthrax and being on Headbangers Ball and getting, you know, MTV play was a really big deal. They could have been a lot bigger. Yeah, but there's two sides to that, that coin, too, because if you yeah, if you I mean, if you believe that they had peaked with that album. You know what? What came after could have been could have been worse. We don't know that. It's all hindsight. But mm, I understand. I, I, so. I understand what you're saying though about the time. Uh, I feel like bad timing. Yeah. After Keeper of the Seven Keys Part Two should have been there and Justice for All. That's my opinion, and I think they would have been. I think they had the ability to have more popular commercial success as well at that time. You know, does. Does their sound age well? You know, their early sound, not so much. But so you have to like that sound from them, from then. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, get but, you. I think there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle, though. I think it's sure, sure. right record label, right time, right producer, someone that can get the most out of you uh, at that time that knows what's going on in in you know the world of, of metal at that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, man, I, I can see what you're saying, definitely. So the critical acclaim for um, Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 2. So Loudwire, for example, named it. Um, they put them in the top 25 power metal albums of all time. And Metal Hammer put them inside the 10 essential power metal albums of all time. Um, and they did, I mean, they did receive success in the U.S. with this. Um, they actually made the Billboard 200 in the U.S. with this album. I mean, they're at 108, but still, the fact that you <laughs> made it with an I mean, with that genre then was a really big deal. Um, you know, uh, the U.K. album charts, they made 24. That's a really big deal. Of course, they're number five on the German album charts, which, you know, pro proves how big they were um, in Europe. But I think they were poised to be very, very big. Um, I think it's just a shame what happened with them. I think that's, I don't know. They got a raw deal, I think. Yeah, I think it also, they may have 
had a lot of people not really take them seriously just because of the, you know, the name and the image that they portray. Mm -hmm. You know, at first glance, like this is, you know, in 1987, walking through a record store and you're looking in the metal section and you see the Halloween, the Halloween album covers. Are you as a metal teenager going to gravitate towards that? Probably not. I probably did actually. Really? Yeah, I mean, know. I was already buying. I mean, look at fucking Diary of a Madman. How, you know, if you're going to pick up Diary of a Madman, you're going to pick up this band's albums. Yeah, back point then. taken. It's true, yeah. Bark at the Moon. Are you fucking kidding me? Look at that <laughs> shit. Like, we know how I feel about Ozzy, but come on, that album cover is like one of the most ridiculous things ever. You know, <laughs> I picked that up, you know. <laughs> so I think, I think back then, and I can tell you, I was that metalhead walking through the stores, looking at album covers, and you know, sometimes that's all you had to go on, you know. Right. And I, I would have, yep. I, I did actually pick up this. I can't remember which one I picked up first, but I did pick it up, um, and I was glad I did. So I think again, you have to, you know, we we we've talked about this so many times. Um, you know, does this age well? Does that age well? And I think with this band, it's a yes and a no. You know, respectively. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You know, honestly, like, I'm I'm looking at the European power metal bands from the late 80s, early 90s, and they have a whole list here, and it's like, they're the only ones I've ever heard of out of that, like, subgenre. See? (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I mean, well, I've heard of Rage. Rage is another one. Um, but uh, everybody else, Gravedigger, Blind Guardian, like I don't know who these bands are. Nightwish, Rhapsody of Fire. You like, don't know, you know Nightwish. Nightwish from Finland. I, I have no idea. Of course they're from Finland. Of course <laughs> they are. <laughs> Ser- Serenity from Austria. Rhapsody of Fire from Italy. Like I don't. Rhapsody you know, of Fire. Wuthering Heights from Denmark. I mean, like, wait, Wuthering Heights or Weathering Heights? No, Wuthering Heights, like the like the novel. <laughs> Withering Heights. These are Withering all these are, <laughs> these are all European power metal bands from the late eighties. Yeah. Weathering Heights. That'd be like the top of a mountain being eroded away. I think it would be fu- well. It's a fucking metal band. I'm just you know. I mean, don't be like, oh yes, of course it's like the novel. Wuthering oh, Heights a metal band. Okay. <laughs> Let's <laughs> just not assume. Oh my god, these band names are so great. <laughs> They're so good. Oh um, <laughs> so I I think that uh, one of the things I would ask listeners if so if you're gonna go and check them out, which I think you should, if you don't know who they are, if you haven't listened to them in a long time, think about what happened in metal in the late. 90s when it was like hardcore metalcore and if you liked any of those bands you're gonna hear a lot of their sounds in this which i find very very interesting i would think most of the popular metalcore bands you're gonna recognize sounds and these guys came first just like these guys were definitely influencers Mm -hmm. big time at the time big time great point because a lot of this, this a lot of this to me, this is to your point, sounded very familiar, but it's all from bands that came later. Correct. Um, there's actually uh, a great band um, from the late 90s, early 2000s called Walls of Jericho. And um, they, uh, my, my friends were in the band and they had a kick-ass female singer it was just amazing and uh yeah just as an example um and if you listen to their sound you you you'll recognize things um let's play something off of master of the rings shall we Okay, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I can't. So that's that's 
the shit I listen to and go, oh, fuck, this, this band's terrible. Um, so don't listen to that song ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll really like the band. Uh, <laughs> that's the kind of shit, though. I mean, everybody did that. Some did it better than others. <laughs> this would be a very, very bad example. Um, this is a better example, and this is off of Walls of Jericho. Yeah, Walls of Early Metallica. Yeah, yeah, Walls of Jericho is a very whiplash-inducing. Uh, There's a little, album, uh, for sure. a little merciful fate in there too. I hear a little sure, merciful but I hear fate whiplash in there. Instantly. Yeah, whiplash. Instantly. Yeah, whiplash. That's oh, what I great heard. point, Matt. That's another um, band I was remember hearing. It was a merciful fate, and even King Diamond in some of the uh, the vocals of some of these singers. Yeah. So yeah, those real cam- sure. like campy high notes. You know, yeah. Like, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> which I mean, you definitely love, love or hate though. it. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, it works really well for Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> it does. You know, really well. It works really well for Rob Halford. Um, you know, you it's it, there's definitely a there's definitely a, a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And I think Halloween gets it right like 50 percent of the time i'd say most of the time i yeah i give them no i I, I have to be with taylor on this one it's like 50 50 (laughs) yeah i'm gonna say 50 50 but there's enough good music there yes that i'll make it past yeah absolutely the last song you just heard perfect yes exactly yes yeah right there with you um so that was how many tears and that's off of walls of jericho um, probably one of my favorites of theirs. My that's that's again for me. Um, that's a sweet spot in their history of making music, um, and that's their first album. You know, so I think um, they stuck with that sound. It, it it softened as you went on, but oh god, Pink Bubbles go ape. you guys guys go google the album cover if you're at home do it now i'm gonna wait for you ready go go do it look it up if you're on your phone if you're driving pull over put your hazards on and look at this album cover it is okay i'm sure you're thinking pink this reminds me there's gonna be a gorilla on the cover right you're thinking right i just keep thinking of ario speedwagon why? When I see this album cover, if you can't, was it? If you can't, was it? Can't tune a piano, tune a fish. Is that the one? <laughs> now I gotta look that up. Yeah, you'll see why. You know, tuna fish. Not Sounds like a dad fish, joke. But tuna fish. <laughs> uh, all right, let me. Uh, I okay. I I I can see what you're saying. Um. Yeah, the album cover has nothing to do with the title of the album. Yeah, you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. But anyway, it's the the whole fish thing, you know, on a cheesy album cover. (laughs) That's why I thought of it. It's weird. Again, like I said, so there's literally, okay, my favorite is there's a song called Shit and Lobster. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it first appeared on a Japanese edition bonus track. And let me tell you, so I knew, and I think we've probably touched on this before, that there was, you know, I, I recognized early on when I was pen pals and we would do tape trading with kids in other countries that they, when they would release albums in different countries, sometimes there would be an extra track on it that you've never heard before. And you're certainly not going to hear it on American radio. It wasn't like today. So I tried to collect all these extra bonus songs. And when I moved to Belgium, it was the late nineties and I would find all these albums be like, what? I've never heard of this Pat Benatar album. What the fuck? And it was like, of course, like European releases or something. 
Um, I tried to find this. So if anyone can find it, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. But so Shit and Lobster is, is a bonus track on the Japanese edition. Then it gets put on the expanded edition bonus track of of this fucking album. So I don't even know what to say about this. Um, and then they covered Blue Suede Shoes. And I can't, I'm, you guys, I'm not making this shit up. Um, it is pro- one of the strangest things. And I don't know why they did this as, as an entrance album on a new label, as a debut. Like, again, this is what you do because you're like, fuck, fuck the label. We have to put out a last album to satisfy our contract. This is the shit we're going to give you, right? Oh, they also... In my random Halloween playlist, they also covered a, a Beatles song. I think it was All My Lovin' they covered. Jimmy, get just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> the, coming back to this Pink Bubbles Go Ape album, I'm just looking at this here. This is like Pink Floyd-worthy um, album cover here. So it's you really... Need to go see the, you, the listeners, you have to go look at this. Yeah, you have to go look at it. Seriously. So, it's hard to find any of the songs. The only one um, I was able to find, let me see if I can pull it up. You cannot get it on, on uh, Spotify on YouTube. All right. Let me. Is that an ape down at the end of the hallway? Almost looks like the silhouette of a gorilla. No, there's another <laughs> something back there. Something lurking at the end of the hall. All right. Let's see if I can get this to play. Oh my god. What the fuck is this? <laughs> what what label said okay, let's put this out. That's what I want to know. They, a label put this out. They green-lighted this shit. What the fuck? What is... I don't even... I don't get it. I don't know. It's very... Okay, one... Okay, this is another one, you guys. Go on YouTube. Okay. Halloween, Pink Bubbles, Go Ape, Kids of the Century. It is probably one of the most amazing visual things you've ever seen. You will... Make sure you go pee first. You don't pee your pants. You will laugh. And and I feel like we're going to all really need a laugh. We need it right now, but we're really going to need it next week. Uh, so this would be a good respite for your mental health. Uh, again, on YouTube, that's Halloween. Pink bubbles go ape. Kids of the century. Just the cover of the video is going to be enough to clue you in on how amazing this is probably going to be. Oh, the cover of the cover of the single. <laughs> the cover of the fucking video is even better. It's so weird. Oh, the cover of this. Are we talk, We might be talking about the same thing, but yeah, I don't know. I think we are. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. the whole thing is just fucking bizarre. <laughs> even know what's going on but yeah so um that's halloween uh I, we're not gonna do an album battle because i don't think we can it's I don't think that's a i don't think that's a thing with this band um maybe we can battle them against other power metal bands of the time i don't know i don't know if that's fair I'm at a loss for words here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got nothing. Trying to trying to envision how that would go down. Well, if you do it by okay, so there's two ways you can do this. If you use the term power metal, which really wasn't used back then, you're gonna come up with the list that Matt was talking about. Come a lot. Yeah, most of these bands are well, categorized retroactively. Dragon Force. Um, Blind Dude, Guardian. Dragon Force is awesome. Dragon Force? You've listened to yeah. them? Yes, I've I have. actually heard of Dragon a, Force. I have yes. a song on my iPhone. Yeah, it's okay. pretty awesome. They're not um, really, I wouldn't call them, well, I guess they are power metal. Yeah. That's They're also they, like, 
Yeah, they're like but fantasy metal. Man like, of War is in here too. Mm-hmm. Unleash the Archers is probably one of my favorite new horror metal bands. Well, yeah, we couldn't definitely couldn't use anyone new, but um, Judas Priest is in here as well. Yeah, so it's like that would that's fair. I don't know. I mean, yeah, Iron I guess. Maiden, I would that's say. the pro- yeah, and Queensrÿche. I mean, that's the problem though with these fucking subgenres. They're so subjective. But okay, what if we said Queensrÿche, um, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Halloween? Where do they where do they sit? Don't I, I mean I don't really put. Iron Maiden and Judas Priest in that same category though, because they predate those other bands. Doesn't matter. They're considered they're like, in that category. But their new wave of British heavy metal. They're like that's no, their they that, that, their their own thing. Yeah. Yes and no. They were also called speed metal. Like I that's what I that's the word I was used to using from back then. Yeah. Before power metal was a thing. It was called it was heavy metal and then speed metal. Um you know that's what I mean. Like this is all, it's all so subjective. I think it's too difficult to compare bands like this with each, with really anybody else. So just appreciate them for what they are. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed. So, uh, since it's, uh, fucking 2020 and this year is a big smoking pile of, stupid shit what are you guys doing for halloween i mean ed your kids are grown matt you've got a young one are you going trick-or-treating we're gonna try we're gonna make the most of it as what we can that's about it you know yeah we like i said our mine are all grown so we just got invited over to some friends uh friend's house to hang out with them while their kids go out and trick-or-treat and the parents will stay home and party sounds like a win so i normally would drive over to idaho and hang out with my nephews and my niece who kind of are the boys are on the verge where halloween's not cool right now they're doing that whole thing my poor niece thinks it's great to go trick-or-treating but they're they're pretending covid doesn't exist um and unfortunately it's you know obviously (laughs) that's not going very well for them so I'm not going anywhere near there. Uh, you can pay me to go over there. Here in Washington State, everyone's just trying to do it socially distanced, which I think is easy to do for trick-or-treating. Although so, I will say, this would be the perfect year to be a ninja for Halloween. What, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Think of a costume with a mask. I or mean, we're just planning on, we're planning on putting a yeah. table out in front of the porch with little um, with little candy bags like goodie bags on it. And then the kids can take it from there. And that way nobody's close to each other. And I think it'll be totally fine. You know, we'll all be outside. What? Unless you get that one. A little little surgeon's going around. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I'll be watching them. And if anyone tries to take more than one bag, I'll beat the shit out of them. I don't care. There's always always that one kid, you know, (laughs) listen, if you want to take extra candy, go for it, man. This year has been hard on kids. Um, I mean, I, I totally understand, you know, wanting to be safe, but luckily in Washington state, we have a mask mandate. And so everyone has to wear masks. And at this point we're super used to it, you know, and so we're going to be outside. Just don't get too close to the kids. I think it's going to be fine and really fun for them. As long as we don't have a fucking snowstorm. How you jinxed it. I know. It's 12 inches. I know. (laughs) Don't say 12 inches. Shut up, Matt. In Florida. (laughs) Just so everybody remembers where Matt lives. He lives yeah. in Florida. No, he's safe. He can talk all he He wants. sent me a damn picture of Jenny in the pool. The swimming pool. Jerks. <laughs> I'm a northeaster. I'm I know. Nor- you yeah, it. so I've, I've, I've dealt with my... I know. You deserve 33 it. 33 years of winter. Yeah, especially yeah. Jersey. Fuck. They've, there's some weird ass... Weird thing, you're right. You're right. You can literally be in New York and 15 minutes later in Jersey, and Jersey's weather is way worse. Yes, yeah, exactly. I don't know why. A higher altitude. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it could be raining in New York, and we could have a foot of snow in New Jersey. 
It doesn't have anything to do with altitude, but okay. <laughs> it does. The higher you go up, the colder it is. Okay. I think it's just because the jersey sucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's it for us. That does it. Uh, we managed to stay on time this time. I know Ed's always happy when we don't Yay. blab on for three hours and he has to edit it down to an hour. <laughs> So um, what's coming up next? Let's see. We are definitely going to talk about the late, great, 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 great Eddie Van Halen. Um, you know, we def- we, we've, <laughs> we tried to um, do that before this episode and it just didn't happen because of our crazy schedules. Um, but we will definitely be talking about that. And I want to talk a little bit about something that happened, um, which was a real fucking shame. David Crosby uh, made a really shitty comment on Twitter and it went viral and ended up being a news story. um, His disrespect after um, Eddie Van Halen passed away. And of course, Dee Snyder um, kind of uh, lit his ass on fire, which was (laughs) pretty cool. Um, So we'll talk about that and we'll just I kind of want to revisit the discussion we had about Van Halen and also revisit where we placed Eddie Van Halen in our ultimate band lineup. Um, so we will definitely do do him justice. And uh, we're supposed to be in the middle of a hair metal series, and we kind of strayed from that because we are who we are. And we're grown up and can do what we want don't try to control me. Uh, <laughs> don't we'll tell me what to do. To <laughs> we'll get back to that. <laughs> we'll definitely get back to that. Um, and so until then, you know, you guys probably are going to hear this uh, right before. Nope. After Halloween. So we hope that you have a fun and safe Halloween. Um, please uh, be very, very safe. And we hope that everyone uh, gets out and votes. If you haven't voted yet, go fucking vote if you can early. Um, if you uh, are not able to vote early, be prepared for very long lines. Um, that's kind of why I know it's been a little annoying on social media. Everybody's saying make a plan, make a plan. And the reason why everybody's saying that is because we feel there will be very, very long lines at the polls. And I think early voting has definitely proven that. So bipartisan, just vote. It is very important this year to get out there and um, and uh, use your right to vote. I mailed mine. I'm done. We do, we do mail-in ballots, and they've been doing it for like, I don't know, 20 years here in Washington. It's never been an issue, but I definitely chose this year just to drive it over and drop it off in the little box, um, just, just to be sure. And I felt good about that. So, yes, I have already voted as well. Um, I think probably most people in Washington have at this point. So we're, we're very, very lucky that we get to do mail-in voting and that we haven't ever had an issue with it. So, um, But if you haven't, and those of you, honestly, I don't know, Matt, if you saw the footage recently from Astoria, Queens. Did you see that? No, I did not. It's like, I can't remember how many blocks they said. I don't want to exaggerate it too much, but it was something intense. Someone took video footage of it. Uh, I want to say like 20 blocks. That's how long the line was. Um, man, oh, hats off. Because everybody has to stand six feet apart too. So well, that, that's and part of it. Yeah. Just early voting. And this country has always had a very abysmal turnout to vote. Always. We don't vote like other countries do. Just terrible turnouts, always. This year is going to be a historic turnout, and we really just weren't prepared for it. So very, very long line. So those of you that stood in line and and got through, I thank you, and um, I appreciate it, and I'm sorry that you have to stand in line that long, but I'm glad you did. And that's it. Got anything else? That's it. Then I will slam my gavel and say, done. All right. So we hope you enjoyed this show as much as we did. Uh, These Halloween episodes are always a lot of fun for us. Um, But uh, as always, you can find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. You can find us on Twitter at Metal Whiskey. We have a super cool Facebook group that we would love 
for you to join. We're going to be posting our cocktails there and on Instagram. Uh, so please check those out. We hope you try to recreate our um, magic that we created tonight, <laughs> the three of us. Um, uh, and obviously you can find all of us individually on social media. You can find me uh, at the whiskey obsessor. That is whiskey. Save the E sailor. You can find me as sailor whiskey or sailor retro. Either one all over the place. Ed. Yeah. If you want to see what I'm up to, just look on Instagram and find me at bourbon geek. And listeners, if you decided do you love the show or even you just like it, uh, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a review. It really does help, and it helps with the uh, rankings and iTunes and whatnot. And please tune in next week or the week after, as it might be, for another episode <laughs> of Metal Rock and Whiskey. And as always, I have a final little thing that I say. I'm going to change it up once again. Just trying to keep you on your toes, listeners. Fuck racism. Get out there and vote. And I'm going to play this for you. <laughs> hey, this is Sailor, and you're listening to a Spirit of Rock podcast network show find this show and many others at spiritofrockpods.com